Welcome to Aim Higher, a show designed to help us realize the leadership potential inside of all of us. I'm Skip Pritchard, CEO, author, blogger, student of success, and your host. Today on Aim Higher, we are taking your questions, and we have compiled a list of these questions that I have put into a interesting category, kind of human resources and hiring and interviewing as a section. So we have a great panel to talk about your questions and give you advice for the questions that you're writing in. We have Brian Berry, who's all things HR. Welcome back to AIM Thank Hire. you very much. And we have Elise Swampler, who is all things leadership development. Yes. Thank you. It's good to be back. Making people better. Always trying. And we have Tammy Spade, who is People Purpose Place. Yes. Say it quickly. You said That's it. good. Yes. <laughs> good job. And we don't have Drew Bordas because he's on vacation mm, still. Vacation. The nerve. Slacker. <laughs> still so, on vacation. Still on vacation. So we have some really fascinating questions that I can't wait to pose to you. Are you ready for the first one? Sure. You're like wiping your brow. <laughs> Getting nervous. I have a new hire starting next week, and mom called me to go over some items. I've never had that happen. I don't know what to say to mom. So somebody's being hired, and the mother is calling in advance to go over some items with the manager. What do you do? Wow. We, you know, we've actually had this happen. I have seen <clears throat> this happen a few times yeah. in yeah. my Me career. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to say that mom is a helicopter parent. You might have heard that term where, you know, they're kind of always hovering. However, yeah, we don't have conversations with the parents of our hires. And we would certainly encourage them to work with their uh, family member to ask those questions. And, you know, we'd be happy to answer them if they actually have those questions. And gosh, we're just super excited to have them join our company. End of call. So you would take the call? Yeah, I guess I would respond and say, you know, we don't converse with the parents of our hires, but we're really excited to have your, you know, child joining us. I've had it in the past where mom or dad have wanted to come to orientation with the child. Child. We're, we're using the child because that's kind of how they're treating them. But yeah. It is. It is. They're an adult. A full-fledged adult out of, uh, out of college, and they wanted to come to orientation. Kindly explain to them that only the new employee is welcome to join an orientation, and they're like, but... We need to understand what benefits options, what 401k options that they have. And again, kindly explained, they will have paperwork coming home with them that if they choose to share that with you and want to ask you those questions, they'll have all that in writing for you and you all can discuss that at a later time. You wonder if the new hire knows this are they, and are they mortified? I would think they'd have to know it though, because how do they get the how phone they get number? The number? How do they get and, the recruiter? yeah. yeah. Well, it wouldn't be hard, right, to look up the employer's name and just call them up if you're mm -hmm. really that insistent as mm -hmm. as sure. mom or dad. It's just quite a bold move. So I do find that interesting. So we're all pausing, but this is a real question. And what do I do when mom calls? So we're saying take mom's call and say our advice would be we're not disclosing that. By the way, 
we don't know that it's mom or dad. Mm-hmm. Could be anybody calling, mm-hmm. you know, with all these scams going on. Right, anybody right. could be getting this information. I'd like their paperwork or whatever, and mm-hmm. their social security number, and who good knows point. what it is. So, I think it is a good lesson, though, if parents are listening to this conversation right now. At, at some point, it's good to address the fact that your child is leaving the nest and really honoring right well and honoring the parenting that you've done up to this point and having that faith in them to build their confidence level as well i do so. think there are transitions for parents and because kind of development and education tracks are more elongated than they might have been in the past when you transition a child from elementary school to let's say middle school you kind of let go a little bit more middle school to high school high school to college i've heard university professors and administrators talk about this dynamic recently where parents are maybe more involved wanting to get more information about, you know, curriculum and grades and that kind of thing. And the student can provide that permission, maybe happening more than it has in the past. And they must be, in this case, maybe carrying this through. I'm assuming this isn't a 40 year old. I'm assuming this is a, you know, earlier in career individual that might be the And I guess, I'm guessing this has happened before in this person's mm-hmm. life. It might have. Probably. Yeah. So I noticed, Brian, you texting your assistant canceling some appointments with moms coming up. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Next question. I'm applying for a job and asked, can I see the interview questions in advance? And they turned me down. I'm a nervous interviewer, so why will they not accommodate my request, and do I have a legal option? So I would tell you, when you ask legal advice on a podcast, we don't give legal advice. You have to seek your own counsel and your local laws, wherever it is in the jurisdiction of where you are, wherever you are listening in the world. So in no way do we substitute for legal advice, says the lawyer. I would say you don't have a legal option. You can't sue anyone because they don't give you questions in advance. And the very fact you ask that, if I knew that you were that type of person, means you're probably not going to get hired uh, or get very far in the interview because you're already looking for a cause of action when you don't even have a relationship or basis for it. So it tells me that you have some underlying issue there. But can I get the questions? You know, Nervous interviewer, you want the questions in advance. Why can't I get them? Many people want to see how you perform without knowing the question. I think that's that's important. If you had the question and you just have rehearsed answers, it might not be your answer. It could be mom's answer, dad's answer, right? <laughs> or the former question. Maybe that's who wants the questions in advance. Is this the same writing person? <laughs> we should check. It's the same person writing in. But why, why are you asking for those questions? And how do you get comfortable with interviewing? And have you had enough practice sessions? And how can you develop that skill and get over that nervousness that you have. I think that is a real thing to conquer and it's a skill. And sometimes for people, it just takes doing them over and over and over. It's really hard. And you say, that's the last thing I want to do. I hate them. But just doing them over and over and over, you kind of get that muscle. What would you add to that? Well, when I, um, I worked with a high school program a while back and we would do mock interviews with the group to help them get that experience that you're talking about, especially for those that tend to be more nervous interviewers, because that's a real, that's a real feeling and a real thing. And what I would encourage the individuals to do is when prepping for an interview, think about 
three or four really big projects or experiences that you've worked on and really understand the beginning, middle, and end of what's happened on those projects. And almost any question an interviewer asks, you probably have an example from those bigger projects that you can pull on. So you're going in prepared and ready, thinking about areas where your strengths have been highlighted, where you've had challenges and how you've worked through them. That type of prep will be your best prep if you don't get the questions in advance, in my opinion. I have to ask you, Brian, have you ever, ever seen anybody give questions in advance? Uh, no, I haven't. And I, I think to Elisa's point, you know, it, thinking on your feet is an important skill in almost every job. <laughs> so I can see from a manager's perspective, we wouldn't want to do that. But I was, I was talking with my 17-year-old granddaughter the other day who's starting to go through the interview process. I told her, I can write down the questions that you'll hear, and it's probably going to be 80% right. And you can study that. And much like Elise talked about, for the most part, interviewers are going to focus on a few groups of competencies. There may be specific questions that you can't really anticipate, but you can prepare yourself. And the other thing I would say to this person is there's always the opportunity to follow up. You know, some people are internal processors. You know, they give you a much better answer if they have time to think about it. And some jobs allow for that. Follow up with that manager. Hey, you know, I, I had my interview. Thank you. Here's a few things I've thought about. Keep it brief. Keep it to the point. But, you know, that's a good way to reinforce some some points that maybe you didn't think to include when you uh, were on the spot. Yeah, I think it's perfectly okay to ask the recruiter or the company representative you're talking to, how could I prepare for this conversation? I want to be, you know, most prepared. It's perfectly okay to ask that, but not to ask for questions. The other thing I would say is most employers aren't that prescriptive either. They don't necessarily, they, they may have that kind of general bank of questions, but the conversation and the experience of that individual will lead you into different conversation. So there's really no way to fully say, well, these are all and only, you know, the questions that will be answered because you're having conversation with someone, you're getting to know them, they're getting to know you. And so there's some natural course to that that isn't planned or anticipated. And some companies have bizarre and different types of questions that they won't disclose or different processes sure. and you can read about them. Yeah. Well, behavioral is one, but some are really strange mm -hmm. if you're a plant and, you know, oh, all of those right. kinds. Yeah. And I, had, I had a question that was asked to me in an interview at one point that I had never been asked a little bit off the wall compared to other questions. And I, I sat there for a moment because sometimes a pause is okay in an interview. I sat there for a moment. I looked at the interviewer and I'm like, a good question. I don't have an answer for you at the moment. Can we continue on with the interview and come back to that question at the end of the interview? And he said, yes. Finished up the interview. He did not bring the question back up. And I said, I want to answer that question. I'm ready to answer that question. Is that all right if we come back to it? He says, absolutely. Answered it, left the interview and Luckily, he moved on to the second round. So, so. what animal would you be, Elise? Uh, we, we hired her, by the way. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't here. The question was not here. <laughs> so Brian's like, I just came up with that question. and I just. But I think allowing, again, if you're a nervous interviewer, it's okay. Allow the pause. You don't have to respond within a second of being asked the question. Take a deep breath and relax and be who you are because that's who you want to be on a daily basis at your job. The power of the pause. 
I always tell people, even if you're speaking in public, what you think the pause is in your head is not nearly as long as it really is, or vice versa. You might think it seems like five minutes and it's probably been two seconds. So just take your time and let yourself think. All right. Next question. What do you think about rehires? How many times should you hire back the same person? Oh, that's interesting. So rehires. First of all, when you leave a job, you might not get rehired. There may be a variety of reasons why you can't. I see that most often. Most often I see somebody leave, want to come back to an organization, and they can't. There's not the right job, or the skills have changed, or any variety of things, or people realize you weren't a good fit. There could be a lot of different reasons. So it's not always a shoe-in to come back. If you do come back and leave again... I think it's very, very high bar to get rehired twice because it looks like you're using the company rather than serving the organization. What do you all think about rehires? You hate to say it depends, but, you know, early, it does depend. Though, it yeah. does depend. But early career, you get people who are really talented coming out of college and they work for a couple of years. They learn a lot. They're ready to kind of move to that next level. And they do that because they have an opportunity to leave on good terms, performed well. That person, three years later, fully developed, more seasoned, a good fit. We tend to look at that fairly positively. A second departure is really a different story, to your point, Skip. Then you really have to think about where does this person really want to be? Are they invested for the longer term in this role to the extent that you can be in this market anymore? But, Isn't that true? Yeah. Although I, I have seen where somebody had to move, take care of an aging parent. There's some extenuating circumstances, didn't want to, and then comes back. So there are situations yeah. which which read into it, I think. Yeah, I agree. Or even leaving the workforce and coming back into it for a time yes. period. Yes, same thing. Mm -hmm. I have a reason to leave, et cetera. Yeah, that, that's really good. All right, next question. It's a tight job market, and I have someone who used to run the whole department and now wants to give up management to go back into the field. I am worried this is temporary and desperate as she's been out of work a few years. What's your view on people taking a step back like this? Oh, good question. So somebody was the manager or senior leader, then is out of work and wants to come back as maybe an individual contributor. Do we allow that? What's your view on that? People taking a step back. So worried that they're not really interested in the job, but just trying to get work and then take the next management job. With the scenario as you've approached it in that question or the, the question's been asked, um, I'd be very cautious going into that situation. Now, if it's someone working for you that has recognized that, gosh, this is just not where I'm at at this point in life and I want to take a step back, that to me is a very different situation and one that in most situations should be and could be honored to help that person take a step back for what's best. But the way that I think the question is worded is, I'd be cautious, cautious in, in that conversation, really try and dive deep in what's changed in that person as much as you can getting information around that. Yeah, worried this is temporary and desperate. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think it implies that there's some type of knowledge that this person's been mm -hmm. really, really looking and now is settling and just desperately to get in, in the door rather than anything you just said about stepping back or kind of rationale. Is that the way you read it to Yeah, him? that's the way I heard it. There's something else going on there. And if, if the manager, hiring manager, thinks that 
this is just a way to get the foot in the door, I get their reticence. You know, you want someone who's going to be dedicated for a period of time if you're going to invest in them. So I'd be cautious as well. Yeah, I think people can take a step back. Absolutely. And there are various reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've also seen people take a step back. They're going up kind of in one discipline, Mm -hmm. and then they want to switch disciplines, and you can't kind of cross laterally because you have to start and learn that skill before you move back up. Lots of good reasons to do that or going back to school or being out of the workforce for a while for whatever reason. I think that's appropriate. But the way you worded it here says, I think that you're gut is giving you the answer. That's what I would say, (laughs) right? Just on the words. So how about this one? Can I rescind an offer immediately? The person got snotty with me when I started explaining it and he said he would think about it. I don't want him now. (laughs) I can't, I can't read it without laughing. (laughs) So can I rescind an offer? So hiring manager makes an offer. The person's nasty quote snotty. And the manager immediately wishes had not extended this offer. Quote, I don't want him now. What's your view on this? (laughs) This might be, there's there's so much behind that. This might be the same manager who calls HR and someone did something and they want them fired today. You know, it's hard to know exactly. There are times when you learn a little bit more in an interview and it's concerning to you or in a conversation But I think my advice would be, you know, okay, let's back up. What are all the skills and the positives that got you to the point where you like this person? There's a lot of positives. You know, one misstep or one misunderstanding is probably not worthy of rescinding an offer. Let's talk about how we want to dig in further if we need to. Do we need to do some more reference checking, things like that, that will, you know, maybe minimize those concerns that we have. But I I would be hesitant to just do a knee-jerk reaction like that. Would you just wait for the call from mom, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Actually, make a proactive call to mom. Yes, maybe. (laughs) Mom, does he always get snotty in this situation? (laughs) Oh, he didn't have enough cookies. So if you would just have M&M cookies, it would be fine. Yeah, can I rescind an offer immediately? I think... The can word to me implies, yes, you can. Yes. As my dad would always say, that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean may you, but can I? Yes, you can. But should you? So back to your point, maybe you should step back and think about this. But I would, if it was me, I would dive directly into the behavior. Yes. I would say, I want to talk to you about your response. I want to talk to you about the way you just talked to me. And we might have a problem with you working here if this is the way you approach things, if this is your attitude and this is your way you interact. Is there something going on with you? Is there a problem with what I said? Let's get this on the table. Yes. Yes. I think that's perfect. Ditto. Uh, Otherwise, we don't know. No. Mm -hmm. Um, No. Or maybe hand the person a handkerchief, but I'll leave that alone. So next question. How do I answer the question, is there anything else we should know about you? in my interview. Is there anything else we should know about you? Well, I can't answer that because I don't know about you. I think that goes back to I go skydiving. I don't know. Right. I think that goes back to the prep though. Is there anything that you wished that they asked about you that you think really fit that position, but you have to prep for things like that. You can't just sometimes go into that 
without any prep? Yeah, I would say the most common answer I get to that question is, no, I think we covered it all. And you've lost a big opportunity. Yes. 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 They've given you an open door to do some selling. And it's not an investigatory, are you a felon and haven't told us kind of question. It's more in general, I think, when people use it. Is there something else, you know, that we haven't covered that you want to share? Is there something more you want to tell us about yourself? That's a perfect opportunity to say, you know, I'd really like to share this project that I worked on. It's one of the things that I think showcase my skills in you know, analysis, data analysis. I'm just making this up. You don't want to say, I'd love to tell you about my dad. He's going to call any minute. (laughs) Yeah. I've got this problem with my parents. No, no. You want to use that as the opportunity to showcase something that you want to leave that interviewer with as you depart. Or even asking for the job. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Great. Learning about the job. I want this job. I'm confident I can do it. I'm confident I can do it. I I feel good about it and I want to work for you. Another spot there is a lot of times in interviews, you're talking about projects, you're talking about skills and competencies. This is a great opportunity to provide some value perspective, you know, really that integrity, you know, what do I want to say about myself that you may not have come up in an interview question, but I want you to know about me. You know, that that's an important thing and you can it's a great way to close because this is a high integrity person or this person has high values can really be an advantage over another candidate. Yeah, so I you should know about me is I left another employer because there was unethical behavior and I did this or that or you should know this about me. I am in a club on the weekends and it has given me a great opportunity to showcase and learn leadership skills or there's no Mm -hmm. end to what you could say. And it depends on the interview and what you want to focus on and say and kind of add that nuance versus, no, I think we covered it all. You've really lost it. It's, Mm -hmm. It's like it is literally served up for you to swing that bat and just knock it out of the park, but you let it go. So always be prepared for that and be prepared to ask them questions when they say, do you have any questions for us? I think that's important. And when I say questions, I think it's great to get to this last question now, which is how much research should I do when going on an interview? It seems they expect me to spend hours and hours on this when I'm not sure I even am interested. Well, why would you go on the interview if you're not interested? So just decide, are you interested or not? If you're interested, give it your 100%. Do research on the company, do research on the role, talk to people that you may know who know people that work in the organization. Be prepared. I mean, show up prepared. There, you know, there are different levels of preparation, but basic understanding of the organizations, its products, its services, the role, those are all things that are just normal. And if you're not sure you want to go work for the company, then probably shouldn't go on the interview. Yeah, what made you take that call? Right. I do find it interesting when people will say things that are blatant that you didn't do a simple Google search. Mm-hmm. And I would say both on the company that you're trying to work for and the person. Mm-hmm. If you got a list of people who are interviewing you, mm-hmm. I suggest you look at that yes. and put their name in Google. So there's level of search and there's level of research. So if you're interviewing with a public company, do you need to pull all their security filings and look at every report and all that? Probably not, right? In fact, if you do, people might think that's odd. But if you have no idea what they do and you mention things that are way outside or you use the opportunity, you go in the interview and you say, I'd like for you to tell me about 
what you do, your strategy, and all of a sudden you realize, no, and I've been in situations like this many times. I say, no, actually, no, I'm not going to do that. You can find that out actually here, here, Mm -hmm. and here. We're going to use this time in this way. I want to know about you, Uh, but you've already told me a lot about you (laughs) before I asked the single question. So I have had people do that. And I think, are you ill-prepared and just trying to turn it around? You know, years and years and years ago, before the internet was invented, it was hard to do research. It is so easy now to do some basic searches that the expectations are up for you coming in asking for a job. And you should be ready enough to know kind of the basics of of what you're looking at. Look at the website, read about the management team, look at some of the press releases, if there's a video, there's social media for most companies and organizations now. Look and see what they're sharing. You'll see current things that they're sharing. You'll you'll realize those are important. Spend the time, like you said, Tammy, if you're not interested in doing that, don't do it. I think people make the mistake right now in a very robust job market that if a recruiter calls them, yeah, I might go on the interview, you know, they're calling me, I don't have to do the preparation. But preparation will always differentiate you. So if you are going to go on the interview, be prepared. And just have respect for the company that you're interviewing with. And the person, the time, yeah. That recruiter is putting a lot of time and effort getting a slate of candidates. If you're truly not interested, have some respect for that other person. Mm -hmm. Um, Because now you're filling a spot for someone that might actually be really interested in that. And you certainly expect them, if they're calling you or taking your resume, to have read your resume Mm-hmm. And not walk in if you're turning in a resume or an apple job application. You expect them that you don't expect to walk in and then saying, "So I haven't read any of this." And who are you? And did you go to school? Like you would expect them to do that. So don't you think you should do that as well? It's basic courtesy, I guess, is is a good way to put it, and just smart. And I have seen people with less preparation do really well in interviews and actually advance. So it's not a never. But you will definitely be more equipped and better prepared and just so much more confident and happy with yourself if you did that. I will also say this. In the course of the research, I know I've had this happen to me, you may realize, no, I don't want to pursue this conversation because I've looked at it and we're not a good fit. Looking for a job, you got to realize, is not them deciding on you. It's you both deciding on each other. It's like a marriage. So that really does make a big difference to do the research. So how much, I would say at least some, and the higher level you're applying for determines an inverse proportion how many hours you're spending on that. So if you're applying to be a vice president, you better expect to be putting an awful lot of time before you walk in the door than if you're applying at a starting job and you're just learning or you know, if you go into Chick-fil-A and you're looking to, you know, Mark Miller, we interviewed a few weeks ago. So if you're if you're going to Chick-fil-A or Howard Behar from Starbucks, you want to be a barista or working the front line, you may not have to study every aspect of the chicken or the secret recipe of Starbucks, right? Not expected. But if you're trying to go in and you want to be the director of investor relations for Starbucks, you probably should know a little details about all of their filings and, and the news releases. So it just depends on the position. So everything depends, doesn't it? Didn't you say I know, that? No, you hate to say that. It feels like you're not answering it, but it does. I was thinking I met this person I used to work with who was in marketing, and he said, if my CEO called me 
you know, right now to do a presentation in an hour, I could put a presentation that would be a good presentation in that amount of time because he's good at it. And it was a little bit cocky, you know, but I think about this too. If, if I got a call and I had an interview in an hour, I could get a lot of information about the interviewer and about the company, about the goals of the organization in an hour or less to feel pretty prepared. Now, not to the depth of a more senior level position, but you could do a lot in that amount of time anymore. Except when we cut off your access because you're not allowed to leave. <laughs> there will be none of that, Brian. No, no. no. I, I don't like it that he used that example. No, that was a bad he example. Might be I'm sure it was theoretical. Theoretical. Oh, absolutely theoretical. theoretical. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, can't, can't be done. Well, a very interesting set of questions. Thank you for sending in those questions. Please continue to do so. We will cover your questions sometime. We want to thank our great panel, at least Brian and Tammy, and not Drew. Not Drew. We can't thank Drew. He's on vacation. And our great sound engineer and producer, Carrie. So Carrie's over here always in the mix. And we want to thank you for listening and for rating the podcast and sending us questions and writing comments. We appreciate it. And we know that those of you who have gotten to this point in the podcast are definitely people that are not only aiming higher, but are going higher and are higher because you're the best of the best. So thank you for listening and have a great week. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. Check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.